Hi, before this episode of Edicts on Edicts, we just wanted to acknowledge the passing of Lynn Shelton, the director of two episodes of Dickinson, as well as movies like Hump Day and several TV shows. And apparently she worked as a sea trawler in the Burying Sea to support her art. Lynn, thank you for everything you've given us. Okay. Are you all right? Yes. You did just have a nearly fatal encounter with my ironing board. It was terrifying. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry it's so aggressive. I haven't fed it yet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hello. So funny. Hello, everyone. I'm Benjamin. And I'm laughing too hard to introduce myself. <laughs> this is Kyle. This is Kyle. <laughs> and this is Edicts on Edicts. A poem, a podcast. A poetry podcast. <laughs> a poetry Kind of a, a podcast Emily. about Emily Dickinson, but, but now, now she, she fucks. fucks. Yes, so yeah. we are on episode seven. Episode seven. Can you believe we've done seven episodes? Seven out of ten, I believe. Yeah, there are ten episodes ten in this season, episodes. and we are way over halfway. We made it. Things are not getting. I was like, things better. are heating up. Not no. really. No, they're not getting worse. No, no. It is writing that. Steady median. This series has been pretty much consistent. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that's As what promised. we can definitely say about it. Yep. Um, so, yes. what's the title of this episode? This episode is called We Lose Because We Win. And what is the description today? On her father's election day, Emily defiantly attempts to publish another poem. She never learns, does she? No. And uh, I think we're going to find what the consequences of that are in today's episode. So as per usual, I have watched this episode beforehand. Now I'm just imagining Emily like stuffing the ballot box, but with like her poems <laughs> instead. But <laughs> <Vote> Dickinson! <laughs> putting all the... <laughs> as a standard, yes. Ben has watched the episode. But Kyle has not. I haven't seen so a second of it. So he's totally ignorant about what's happening today. Yep. Um, but I already know so it'll be very interesting. Okay. Um, so before we watch the episode, Carl, yes. what do you think will happen in this episode? Mm. Will there be some sort of ripped from the headlines election interference joke? God, I hope not. Perhaps. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Stop anything. Stop it. That um. face. Um, okay. My guess, yeah. which this election plotline has kind of come out in like three episodes yeah and now it's done i guess uh i think not knowing the history at all mm. he's going to lose mm. and not become he was a state senator right yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i think mr dickinson will not become a state senator right well uh, i know she's going to attempt to like publish a poem but mm. I'm writing down everything you say oh so that we God. can correct you later. No, well, I haven't said anything besides he's going to... <laughs> I just really want Emily Dickinson to just stuff the ballot box. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to see the election. Yeah. Um, how about anachronism bingo? Do you think there'll be any major anachronisms well, in the episode? Uh, election interference joke, potentially. Right, maybe, maybe. Mm. That, would be in, that would be apt for the times. I was about to say, it feels very like... Nudge, nudge. I, I definitely did the gesture of nudge, nudge before realizing that I have to say that. Yeah. In this context. <laughs> it's radio. No one can see you. Oops. Which for, for me is like, that's nice. I, <laughs> I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of like, this show isn't really into overarching plot lines that aren't relationships. No. So yes. I'm having trouble imagining like any sort of payoff. We don't actually know much about Mr. Dickinson no, besides besides the way he treats Emily really. Right. Which is like um, sometimes he's angry, sometimes he likes her. Yeah. But considering that she's going to attempt to publish a poem and that's the angriest we've ever seen him, I imagine he's gonna be angry. Yes, I think so. But we'll find out we just lose, how. We lose because we win. Uh, so we are actually confronted with, like, we lose because we win. There's a loser and a winner. Right. Um, who do you think is going to be the winner and who do you think is going to be the loser? I mean, I think... Well, okay, then I guess I have to reassess my original guess, which is that they win the state senator. Right. But 
they sacrifice some sort of like family relationship. Interesting. That's like important to Emily. Again, okay. having no idea about the history. Well, uh, let's dive in. Yes. Let's see what happens. Okay, uh, that was episode seven. seven. We lose because we win. And that is an intense episode. It is. It is a lot. A lot happens in a short space Ooh. of time. Yeah. Um, and compared to the previous episode, which yeah. moved so slowly, yeah. this one really is moving quite fast, uh -huh. I feel. Um, so uh, as a broad recap of the episode, <laughs> what happened? Um, it's funny trying to summarize what happened in it, because like, I guess... Just like the broad overarching out. elements, not a lot happens. Uh, Mr. Dickinson is waiting for the election results. Yeah. Emily chooses to submit one of her poems to a poetry contest to be published, but under Austin's name. Yes, right, yeah. And the circus is coming to town. Yes, the circus is coming to town. There's the two uh, parallel elements of the episode are the election day yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and the circus, right? right? And we see that right at the beginning with the two posters. Right. Right, because there's like the first poster that says, like, arouse, uh, arouse, <laughs> arouse, <laughs> election day. It's like, oh no. Oh dear, words have changed. <laughs> um, I was reading Peter Pan recently and they used the word gay so much in Oh that. yeah, Peter Pan's quite gay. Yeah, they or dance like, with gay abandon or like gaily. Like Peter seems quite queer to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a queer little boy. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so we see like the okay, election and poster and then immediately mm -hmm. the circus poster pasted over it, right? Boom. Yep. Um, which I think kind of mirrors how in this episode the yep. events of the election are literally overlaid with the fantasies of the circus, circus yes. um, which seemed to come in at, at the end, but I think are kind of foreshadowed mm -hmm. in bits and pieces, mm -hmm. maybe, mm -hmm. um, throughout the episode. Yeah, so Emily's father ultimately wins the election. He does. But it's yeah. a close race, right? Like, that's yes, the, because it's the Whigs, it's the Republicans, and it's the know-nothings. No, it's the no, Whigs. Oh, right. Okay. There were three parties in this. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yes. I do. My American history is coming back to me. Okay. That's good to know. Yes. Because I actually I know a reasonable amount about yeah. early American history, but I don't know much about like <laughs> after they separated. After after Let the Queen go. fucked off, I was like, never mind. <laughs> we don't need that. Sorry, it was the king. It was the like, king at the time. Never mind. <laughs> the thing about England is that our kings are super boring, but our queens are really interesting, I was and that's say always that's been true. Yeah, throughout history, mm. all the way back to. Boudicca and like, yeah. There's got to be like one interesting king. No, there are interesting kings. Yeah. Like, that's not true to say there aren't any interesting kings. I just think just that like predominantly the queens are more yeah. engaging, tend to do better, have more personality. Um, um, so yes, for this particular election, there were three main parties running. Right, the and there was that great uh, bit where it was oh like God. you said, like a West Wing parody. It was so it was dead on. It's great. It was great. Yeah, they're like, let's go. What does he say? Let's go for a perambulation. A perambulation, which is, I suppose, their version of a walk and talk. Yeah, <laughs> and they do like the walk and talk, and then when they're like discussing, they don't really say anything. Yeah, no, they're just like making political. Right, not mumbo jumbo. Yeah, there's like a point where they definitely just like walk in a circle in the room. Yeah, they walk around the dine, not the di yeah, the not the dining room table, no, but like, like the just like the sitting room. Yeah, just the sitting room. They're yeah. like going around the table and they're talking about like who the know votes nothings what, the know nothing. The know nothing say they know nothing, but they don't know nothing because they know something. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <It's> right? Like, <laughs> this like weird Abbott and Costello bit and then like Jane Krakowski appears out of nowhere. And she's, and she's like, like, what do you want for dinner? Do you want grass? Do you want woodcock? Do you want, <laughs> do you want roasted ham? What do you want? <laughs> and then I love that she, you don't see it until they get to the door, but she actually has the gun. Yeah. And it's like, she's, she's going to go out she's and get gonna it. Go out. You can just imagine <laughs> Mrs. Dickinson like actually going out and hunting. Did and you ever... Sorry, if I, no, no, no. Go on, go on. I was like, did you ever see Mad Men? No, no. Oh, okay, so I believe it's in the first season of Mad Men, but there's this great bit towards the end of one of the episodes where January Jones yeah. is like sick of her neighbor feeding pigeons and they like swarm all over their house. Mm. So there's just this shot of like her with a like a gun and yeah. like a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, but like perfectly done up 60s <laughs> housewife just being like, 
boom. <laughs> it's so good. That's like in the favorite where Rachel oh, Vice yeah. is on the lawn, like shooting, shooting Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like I loved that she, Mrs. Dickinson, is always mm. doing something practical in the background. You know, like oh, in God. every episode, she's always like cleaning, yeah. cooking, carrying tea trays, preparing to preparing, hunt. preparing to hunt. Yeah, <laughs> she has this really blasé attitude to it, yeah. which is great. Uh, she also maybe had one of your favorite bits in the episode very early on. Yeah, when 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 Ben says, "I always thought you were a suffragette," and she's like, "How dare you!" <laughs> <laughs> She like takes his tray away. Yeah, she's, she's, like, like, no. she's like offering him tea, and then she's like, "No tea for you." <laughs> you think about these things. Yeah. <gasps> How dare you say such a thing? You know? mm. um, which is kind of true to the time, right? Because a say, lot of women probably, at the time yeah. probably thought the suffragettes were a bit. Well, the same with feminists now. Like right. a lot of women don't mm -hmm. like feminists, and no. that's. Well, know. and also there are divisions within that, but like yes. Um, um, but yeah, yeah that so was I great. imagine someone like Mrs. Dickinson wouldn't have loved the suffragettes. No, probably not. Mm -mm. Probably not. Um, like, I'm tired of this. Well, I guess Susan B. Anthony was a little bit later. Seneca Falls is 18. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel like. um, but what I find interesting is as the episode goes on, we do find, I think that Mrs. Dickinson, she's off, we often get her in a bad light. Mm. But I think there are some moments in this episode where we see that she has actually got a warmer heart than. Yeah. She initially lets on. Yeah. Um, but we can come to that. I think what I want to talk about first is just the comedy. Before we get too serious. Uh, and there are a lot of avenues to get serious here. Yeah. But there are also a lot of comedic moments. Yes. Um, I like how Ben says he votes independent and you were immediately like... White gay. Yeah, you were like, white gay. <laughs> and then I was like, New England white New gay. New England white gay. <laughs> so, because he is, he's very like... That yeah. kind of prep mm -hmm. school Bostonian. Totally. Yeah, like yeah. That dude went to, oh, fuck, what's that school in Connecticut? Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. Pomfries? No, I've forgotten my snooty. Anyway, I'll There's remember. There's a lot of snooty New England like, schools. I'll remember like, it halfway through this. I think sometimes um, I had a friend in the UK who... Maybe it is Wheaton. ...who was an aristocrat and he went to Eton. And he was like, the only thing worse than Eton students are New England private school students. He was like, there's the level up. He was like, because British posh people know they're British and don't try too hard at it. Right. But American posh people want to prove that they're posh. Yeah. So they have to have like perfect clothing and be really like, yeah. you know, he was like, oh, it's so insufferable. He would say that. So, so Ben Newton. Ben Newton. <laughs> probably, Newton. probably New one of England those. white gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which we do see I was later. about to say. Like, I think that is as much confirmation as the show will give us. Yeah. Is what happens later in the episode. Yeah. Which I guess we will get to. Um, my other favorite comedy moment was actually when <sighs> Mr. Dickinson is like coming in after a day of electioneering. Yeah. And then Mrs. Dickinson is like, oh, the girls are just having a slumber party upstairs. And he's like, can't you stop their inane chatter? And immediately we cut to the room. Yeah. And Lavinia's like spouting really in-depth yeah, political like, analysis. Like they want to overturn the Missouri Compromise? Yeah, like, we need to form a coalition that can like block their election. It's like, what? Oh man, I love all the so girls good. sat around yeah. having this like, like very in-depth, very well-informed political, political conversation. But earlier in the episode, <clears throat> they, the Lavinia and Emily note that they don't have the right to vote. Yes. And Ben says, like, aren't you thinking about like, oh, aren't you thinking right. about the election? And Emily's like, why would I think about that? Like, yeah. I can't vote. But Lavinia yeah. is thinking about that, even though she can't vote. Yeah. And again, I come back to the fact that this is really Lavinia's show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it is like Mad Men, where Mad Men is framed as like Don Draper. Right. But Don Draper is insufferable and he's awful. Right. And then really, you realize that it's Peggy's show by the end of it. Lavinia is Peggy. Yeah. Oh my god. I think I'm leaning towards that. Mm. Lavinia is going to be, and I think when this show finishes, if they do like a time jump, which they might. I can uh, see it ending. It could end with like Emily's death and then Lavinia being like, actually, I did love my sister. I'm going to try and publish her yeah. poems like we spoke about last time where yeah. she does it. I think that would be a nice ending if Lavinia was like. it has to be the like Hamilton ending. Like, <laughs> well, it is. Like. That idea of mm. carrying on someone's legacy. Yeah. 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 And like the, that it is motivated by love for that person. Yeah. Despite whatever differences you may have had. Um, but yes. I love the little details, like when they're having that political discussion, they're doing the, the embroidery. Embroidery. And I love that Lavinia's embroidering a cat <sighs> on her. Never changed Lavinia. I was like, oh, yes. Like, that's perfect. And then Emily Dickinson's. 
uh, F my life. F my life. <laughs> Perfect Emily. <laughs> and I love that she's filled in the my life part first. Right. And then she's doing that. She's doing... She's already got the F on there. She's just like then working from the K? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> sure. I don't know how the point works. <laughs> no one does anymore. No. Um, and I like that the other girls who in previous episodes have all been a bit airheaded also have like... Also kind of mean. And mean. Yeah. yeah but they have really like... And then the whole thing of like the only progressive party is the Republican Party. Yeah, if you want to be on the right side of history, vote Republican. Yeah. Which was true at the time, right? Well, yeah, Lincoln was a Republican. They yeah. love to bring that up as like, yes, because obviously Lincoln loved the idea of states' rights, guys. Anyway. You know, that's really interesting because in the UK, like the Conservative Party has consistently been on the wrong side of history mm. for pretty much every vote. Oops. There's some great uh, like online memes you can find where they go through and list all of the significant human rights acts in Britain <sighs> over history. And they're like, Conservatives against like Whigs for. Oh my God. So it's really... Interesting that in America there was a time when things were the other way around. Right. Um, but also, yeah, Mr. Dickinson a is a Whig. Of... Right, yes. But Lavinia's a Republican. Well, the like Republicans were the much more progressive party. The right. Whigs were, I guess, I don't know. I'm still curious. I need to go back and like review my American history at this point. Because mm. when they were talking about him supporting abolition, but also like welcoming immigrants. I forget exactly where the Whigs fall in this. Right. Because the political parties in America have shifted a lot and also, like, died out and, like... Yes, yeah, yeah. Because you know, they were more than... Because now there's basically just the two parties, right? It's kind of always been two, but, like, mm. that they've, like, morphed and then, like, the Whigs are gone, obviously. I forget mm. when exactly the Democrats in their current form came out. Because it used think- to be... The UK now is becoming more and more like America. I think we're going mm. back to having just two primary parties. Right. But there was a period when I was young when actually it was more like three or four parties. Right. Um, and like I'm personally, I'm a member of the Green Party in the UK. Mm. Uh, and if you went by pure party numbers, mm-hmm. by number of members, then the Green Party is actually sizable. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it definitely would hold up against the Labour Party wow, these days. Um, but... Of course, we don't go by number of members. We right. go by votes per per, per um, district uh, constituency. Constituency. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the Green Party okay. never gets any seats. But so, in the midst of that discussion in yeah. the bedroom, yes, they do talk about how a war is coming. Yes, and they how do. There right? is this like massive upheaval that is going to happen. And yes. it's funny sort of talking about that so early into the twenty like the twenty twenties because yeah. I feel like we are also I feel like we lack the imagination to see, see how what bad can it can happen. get. Yeah. And we are if we talk about like um <laughs> our parents' generation and our generation perhaps are the first generations where we were so far removed from World War Two. Yeah. And World War One, because we forget how yes. honestly horrific World War One was, you know. And how that ultimately led to World War II. Yes. yes. I mean, my history teacher uh, in high school told me, like, we shouldn't be calling them World War One and World War Two. We should be calling them the World War Part One and Part mm, Two. Because he was like, there's such a close relationship between the consequences of World War One and World War Two right, that right. really it was just a continuation of... It was, like, on pause for a moment. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think you're right. Like, in the bedroom when Emily sat there and they're mm-hmm. talking about Maybe there'll be a war, and she's like, there will be a war. Yeah, um, Millions will die, and millions um, of snowflakes will fall on them. I know, what was that about? I don't um, know. Weird, yeah. Weirdly non-poetic line, I feel like. That's the thing, like, about not conky. in the vein of her no, style. It didn't sound like all. Emily Dickinson. It no. sounded like someone sat in a writer's room yeah, totally. saying, like, something poetical that we need to put mm, in here. Millions of corpses and snowflakes. Snowflakes, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I don't not, know. Not, doesn't sound like... The edicts I know. No, Mm-mm. no. Um, um, but yes. it was nice to have that moment of them in the bedroom yeah. talking about it. And also that Emily came and joined scene. them. Yeah. And that even though there's a sense that they think Emily's weird, they don't totally exclude her. Yeah, they listen to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you have to in a small commu- New England community. You can't be like... That's true. You know, <laughs> fuck off so-and-so. Like, yeah. you have to live with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in Gilmore Girls. They live in that tiny town of Stars, Stars Hollow. Hollow. Yeah. And they never they never ostracize or exile uh, anyone. Like, all of true. the townspeople have a place in their life, even when they're, like, awkward or difficult or, right. or like, hard to live with. That's true. They never, like, 
totally reject anyone. Mm. The people in the town are in the town and the people in the town love each other. Right. And that's From one of the like, comforting yeah. things about Gilmore Girls is you right. watch it and you're like, oh, it's a nice community and everyone... That's funny. Gets on. It's like you were saying about friends before we start recording. Right, we did start talking about friends and like what that means to sort of see a community group. To be fair, I do not like friends. No, neither do I. I want to put that on I record. I want to be on record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But it is interesting to sort of see that illustrated. Um, although, actually, I would argue that we're turning into a fucking friends podcast. Actually, the yeah. friends are incredibly exclusionary to people who aren't the friends. So Yes, that's terribly true. Yes. And also they're a bit mean to each other sometimes. They are quite... Well, that's the thing... Not doing this. We will have this discussion off the podcast. Yes, okay, wise idea. Um, uh, but everyone, uh, yes. you know, don't hate us for not liking friends. Yes, don't email us about friends. We will delete these emails. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and in um, this instance, neither do I. Yeah. Um, so, but that was a nice moment yeah, for Emily. And I think actually, like, what was interesting in this particular episode that I feel like has been missing throughout the show as a whole is like scenes where stuff happens between characters mm. and like there are power dynamics and there are shifts within the scenes yes. that make it more compelling to watch. Yeah. Like because with the previous episode what was there was like what I had pushed onto it. Yeah. As far as scene construction goes there wasn't a lot beyond maybe the scene on the dock. And I felt I actually liked Emily's character a lot more in this episode because mm. in previous mm. episodes, a lot of the conflict has been manufactured by Emily yeah. Yeah. almost because she feels the need to have something to rebel against. So she manufactures Fair point. some conflict. You know, the whole thing yeah. with the tree is like, yeah, of course, it's good to want to save the tree. And it was horrible that her father didn't think about it and that he right. was going to get rid of it. But her reaction was almost a manufactured sense of outrage mm. at him taking mm. something from her that didn't really belong to her in the first place. Right. Um, and the fact we'd never seen her underneath that tree Love before that tree. made it I'm seem still a bit... still waiting to see that tree again. Yeah. It's there, but the train is running next And to the whole Shakespeare episode is her right. manufacturing a series of conflicts with other people. Right. Um, almost just because she wants to be an engine of chaos. Yeah, um, you kind know? of. Well, I mean, I guess she is like a moody high school girl. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So that can happen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. this one did... It's funny because before I had mentioned, like, I don't feel like there are any sort of overarching plots beyond character relationships. Mm. And I stand by that. But this kind of finally took those character relationships to yes. interesting places. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, I, I think that actually... Every character had a moment with Emily that was interesting. Yeah. With maybe the exception of Mrs. Dickinson. But she had a parallel moment yeah. with Sue. Exactly. Which we'll come to in a which moment. Which leads to the interesting moment between Sue and Emily. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, am I actually glad Sue is back now? Yeah, relationships developed in this episode yeah. in a way they hadn't previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that... Well, let's go through some of those yes. now and yes. just talk about some of them. So, like... Um, in the episode, mm -hmm. there's this sense of, well, I think we should talk about Mr. Dickinson first, maybe. Oh, okay, I'm just going to... Where do you want to begin? Um, well, should we just get the, like, Austin-Emily bit out of the way? Uh, yeah. Or do you want to save that? For no, no, let's talk okay. about Austin okay. and Emily. I think yeah. that's a good, yeah, that's yeah, a good, yeah. that's a good that's start like point. A... Um, so Austin Small does a solid way. Emily favor today. And actually, moments of comedy, yeah. the funniest the moment. The funniest thing in the show. So far, it was the funniest thing. Um, oh we were both God. laughing I'm so hard. Dying. And the first time I watched it, I hadn't really clocked it. And then when we were watching it together, I was like, oh my God. It's so funny. But we'll get to it afterwards, because I want to talk yes. about it within the context of oh Sue God. and Austin. Oh my God. But the fact that Austin does Emily a solid favor, because he agrees to... Mm -hmm publish yep. her poem yep. uh, and she it's a nice moment of them beside the gravestones mm -hmm. and she kind of solves his problem with baby Ichabod <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners that can't watch the show which Austin wants Sue to be buried next to him yes but there's a baby there's a dead baby <laughs> buried in the plot where Sue's supposed to go and his dilemma of the episode is, can I dig up and move the corpse of a dead baby? Yeah. Um, and there's a great line where Emily's like, that poor family, all those babies that died, you know? <laughs> but then she's like, I think it's okay because that was 25 years ago yeah, and the baby's, baby's an adult grown. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, that family moved to England. That yeah. baby's an adult. 
It doesn't matter, just move it. And then around the breakfast table when they're all discussing and and they're like, who names the baby Ichabod? Yeah. (laughs) It's a family name, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, also just his proclamation of love to Sue being like, I'm going to dig up a dead baby for you. Oh my god. So he, he tells her he's going to dig up the baby. Yeah. In return, Emily, for, for advising him to do that, she yeah. gives him the information so he can do that. Mm-hmm. She wants him to publish the poem for her, yeah. Yeah. which he agrees to do, which yeah. I think is really nice. Yes. And um, at the same time, he calls her on it because he's like, you're going to get angry because you're going to win and my name is going to be on it. And you and won't be happy. You won't be happy. Yeah. And she sort of shrugs it off, but he reads her. Yeah. Like for all of Austin's... That's the thing, like, Whatever. Austin yeah. is kind of dumb, yes. but surprisingly... Intuitive, emotionally. Sensitive, yeah. like, he's emotionally yeah, yeah, sensitive, yeah. right? Like, in the Shakespeare episode when he's Desdemona, yes. and you kind of feel like, actually, he weirdly understands Desdemona a little bit, yeah. or, like, thinks yeah. he understands Desdemona. Like, is, it's, it's me in the previous episode where he's, like, projecting his stuff onto her yeah. and, like, can pull the meaning out that way. Yeah. But in this case, he just knows his sister. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, um, and she does get angry, right? Like, yep. her poem's published, mm-hmm. it wins the prize, yep. but it's Austin yep. who wins it. Yep. Uh, and what's really gutting is, like, Mrs. Dickinson and Mr. Dickinson are usually so negative about Emily's writing. Yeah. But when it comes from Austin... They're both complimentary, yep. uh, especially Mrs. Dickinson, who's like, <laughs> I don't even like poems. <laughs> she's like, that was nice. And I don't even like poems. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, it must have been really difficult for her. Yeah. But he did warn, as you mm-hmm. said, he warned her. He knew. Uh, and she gets upset because he put the title on, as yep. you said. because She's uh, never titled her poems. Yeah. Her poems titles come from their first line. Also, he dedicates it to Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emily clearly didn't write it for Sue. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. But also, the fact that he took something that she wrote mm. and appropriated it mm. to into his relationship with someone that she did or did have a relationship with mm-hmm. must be quite painful. Because if you think about it, it's like she loved Sue, and now her brother, who she kind of gave Sue to in a right, weird way, in a way, is now using her poetry to further that relationship. I want to ask you why you think it's not for Sue. Or do I mean, we would have to read the poem, which I think yeah. we're going to do later. Yeah. Well, we can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for later. But there is, I also thought, in general, the editing of this episode was much better. Better. Sharper. But there's like a point where he says that and it goes to Emily's reaction and she just sort of smirks. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting reaction to get. And I think it was about Sue. Mm. And I think that's what that reaction is telling us because we see her pulling out old poems. Right, they're not ones she's recently yeah, written. It's they're not all a from new her desk. Poem. So I think yeah. it actually was about Sue, and yeah. she. But she's like moving past this relationship right now, and it's just sort of like, okay, fine, it was. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how I interpreted that. Maybe I think I think it was still maybe difficult for her mm. that he did that, that he dedicated oh, it to Sue. Um, yeah. And you're right about the title thing, like that's tough. Uh, It was kind of a nice moment when Mr. Dickinson was reading the poem Mm -hmm. and the fact that he didn't really know it at the moment, that moment, but he was reading his daughter's work. Yes. And for Emily, that must must have been quite a special moment. Like a validation moment. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Mm. Which exacerbates what happens later. Oh, God. Um, But yes, and then, so that's her and Austin. Yes. Can we talk about her and Sue? Well, yeah, let's talk let's about do, let's, let's let's follow the chain. Me, yes, and start with Mrs. Dickinson yes. and Sue. Yes. So Mrs. Dickinson is cooking with Sue, and yes. she notes that Sue has good skills as a housewife. She's very good at basting that. She's like, turkey. you know, your way around a turkey. That's what she says. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's just lovely. Yes. <laughs> but like, I respect Mrs. Dickinson so much because, like, she sacrifices her own happiness all the time to be like a good housewife. Sure. And I don't admire that she right. has to do I know, that. I know, I know, I know. But I admire like that she does. Please remember that the audience cannot see my face reacting to what you're saying. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I think that she has a nice moment with Sue. She says mm. to Sue like, I'm really glad that you're joining the family. Yeah, Sue um, manages to drop another I'm an orphan. I'm, I'm an orphan, yeah. <laughs> that comes up in every... I feel like every, we should do a shot every time, every you know? Time we'll be wasted. <laughs> and then it ends with her saying, like, call me mom, as she gives her the book. Yeah. 
And, and she gives her, what's the book she gives her? The Frugal, Frugal Housewife. Yeah. Amazing. But you know, Sue really likes that gift. Yeah, she does. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like Sue is genuinely happy to get it. And then of course, but like Mrs. Dickinson does manage to mildly ruin the moment yeah. in that classic way. Classic seven episodes in. But I'm just being like, <laughs> I will try my best to not die. <laughs> <laughs> You can call me mom, and oh. I'll try not to die. <laughs> like everyone else in like your everyone life. Everyone else in your poor, penniless existence. <laughs> yeah, because she says, she says to Sue, she's like, oh, you've had a hard life, haven't you? But it's said in like quite an offhand way. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, your life's been tough. But... It's been real hard, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but it was a great like bonding moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it's nice to see these two, like, they are allowed to want to do that. That's the thing, yeah. right? So like, I, what I thought was nice about it is that there's a lot of like... Um, New woman, like new woman. Yeah. I'm putting quotation marks around that. Sure. Um, like feminism and like Emily being like breaks break the stereotypes and stuff. Right. But it's nice that um, Sue and Mrs. Dickinson had a moment where two women talked together and shared their feelings mm -hmm. and did it in a domestic context. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That was fine, right? That, and a, that, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, just that it it was a it was an opportunity to see that like women still had some good life part of their mm. lives back then. Mm. Like, you know, women could have a relationship and have a nice moment together. Yeah. And I think that leads to the Sue sitting on the stairs and reading The Frugal Housewife. It's funny. So just for to pause at that. Yeah. Yesterday, you and I introduced a friend to the Bechdel test. Yeah. And how that is generally seen as like a weakness for things in popular culture to not pass the Bechdel test, which yeah. is the idea that does your pop culture item have two women independent mm. and do they uh, talk about something besides a man in the context? Yeah. And this is an interesting conversation because it is kind of... I don't think it is about a man. I think Mr. It's Dickinson... Not, no, is, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's interesting because it's not about a man, but it is... It is about... Within the sphere of domesticity yes which is generally seen as like not progressive right and yet it's still possible for women to find value and connection and love and family within the stereotype right and within the domestic setting yes. yeah, yeah yeah um and that's so true because i think mm -hmm. um emily as a character is isolated there's an extent to which emily as a character by refusing to engage in the housework and by refusing mm -hmm. to engage in the company mm -hmm. of the other girls mm -hmm. isolates herself from genuine companionship because a lot of the women in this episode so like the other time when they pass the the test is in the bedroom when they're talking about politics mm -hmm. right the girls are all sat around and they're not talking about boys there's a deliberate lampshading right. right. of that right because yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. like, they're like we finished talking about politics let's talk about boys guys want to talk about boys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like so they lampshade it but the yeah. fact is like there are two instances where women in this episode sit together and or, mm. or, or talk to one another and have genuine conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Emily is excluded from mm -hmm. both of those times. Right. The only person that Emily has a free and easy conversation with in the episode is Ben. ben. Yeah. Uh, who's a man, a white yes. man. Even if he's queer, he's still a right. white man, right? Right. Um, and she's complaining about how she's not allowed to do anything progressive right. to Ben. Mm -hmm. But actually... The women around her are doing progressive things in some ways, just in a quieter... Right, I would push back on progressive things, well, well, with the exception of the political discussion, which yeah. was. But I think like the kitchen scene is not progressive, that's but true. I don't think it has to be No, no, no. to have value. Yes, that's true, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, Emily's talking to Ben and she's saying like, um, how... I guess my point is like, she's talking to Ben and she's saying how I'm not allowed to do anything progressive, mm. but then the other girls in their political discussion right. are very progressive right. and are being very direct yeah. about these things. And very informed and very, yeah. But Emily seems to throw in the towel and say like, I can't do any of these things, you know? Right. Um, and she says herself to Ben, as we said, like she says, why would I think about politics when I can't even yeah. vote? But the yeah. other girls are thinking about yeah, politics. they are. Even though they can't vote, mm -hmm. you know? So again, this is exactly like in the last episode where I was saying how Lavinia does lots of artistic stuff in the background, mm. but Emily's always the artistic one. Right. But again, it's like Lavinia's doing... being really progressive in the background, right. and Emily's like moping about the house and like not 
just sighing. And, and then when she wants down. to do something progressive, she mm. has to turn to her brother yeah. to achieve it. Yeah, and then gets unhappy when... When he helps the her. The exact result that he said would happen, happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's again yeah. an example of like Emily as a character mm. being kind of not really that progressive and being kind of... Mm. I mean, being very like iconoclastic, but like ineffectually. Yeah. Right. Like her art separates her from the world. Right. And that prevents her from being an effective medium of change. Right. So, yeah, she's like, as you say, iconoclastic. She produces images right. that are very um, progressive, mm. but she's not an actual engine for real transformation Meaningful or change. change. Yeah. Sure, sure. And perhaps that says something about art anyway. Like, right. often artists, because they are kind of aloof from the world, yeah. maybe they're not the best people to actually implement yeah, maybe. real change. And it's funny to go back to just thinking about the domestic moment mm. the only one that we really see her do is with maggie in episode two when she makes when the she bread. Makes bread and that's yeah. something that the real emily dickinson really loved to do yeah or at least was good at yeah and like it's something that she does for her father and he enjoys like it's interesting that there is this sort of interplay between traditional gender roles and domesticity and, like, this imagined iconoclasm that yeah. she thinks she's doing. Well, I think, like, generally on the left in real, in real life now, in the current mm. political climate, one mm. of the things people on the left need to do mm -hmm. is they need to admit that... This is my personal opinion, so people listen to this, please don't be too angry with we me. We will be getting emails. I will be getting emails. Dive in. But dive I'm in gonna, like Emily Dickinson I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to rip the band-aid off. Man. <laughs> my, my opinion is that the left has a lot of value, but one of the things we're failing to do at the moment is acknowledge that the vast majority of people uh, subscribe to traditional gender roles in many respects. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people have middle ground views on issues. Okay. And the vast majority of people are intimidated by big change. Okay. Uh, but that the reason those people on the middle ground don't support the left, because the people on the middle would support the left for many mm -hmm. things, I think, yeah. such as free health care, equal social policies, better economic policies. Right. I feel like the people in the middle would support those things, but one of the reasons they don't is because they feel like people on the left don't see value in the traditional choices that they make. Mm. And I think... In this episode, we see Mrs. Dickinson and Sue having that moment within domesticity where right. they care for one another and support one another. And they are passing that, the Bechdel, Be I can't say the it. The Bechdel test. Bechdel yeah. test, yeah. Which also Alison Bechdel does not want it to be like gospel. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But like it's, a, it's something. <laughs> right. It is you know. a useful tool. Um, and they are within that context uh, fulfilling one another's need for companionship. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and I think that a lot of people in the middle ground in politics mm -hmm. uh, and in life probably feel like the things that fulfill them that mm -hmm. are seen as being old-fashioned and traditional mm -hmm. uh, are not given any value by the left. Interesting. And people on the left are like, everyone has to be super progress progressive and everyone has to have an alternative lifestyle and everyone should be doing something different. Mm. But the reality is it's like 88% of the population don't want that. Yeah. And not saying that people on the left can't have that, right. but more like if we accepted that not everyone wants to transform their entire life, right. some people want to live their lives peacefully, um, mm. then that's my opinion, because I'm yeah. in the middle politically anyway. I gathered. Yes. So, um, you know, I'm gay and I think that there are many things I want to change about society. Mm. I want to protect people. I want to have mm -hmm. a safe space for everyone mm -hmm. and to include everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but including everyone really does mean everyone. Right. And that means people who are not um, seen as unique or special. Mm -hmm. uh, and these days we think of things like queerness mm -hmm. as being unique or special. Sure. And we devalue what quotation marks, ordinary people mm -hmm. have to offer to society in some mm. ways. And often we frame them as the bad guys, especially men, which yeah. I think doesn't always have use. I think there is, again, oh my God, my opinion, dear God. Yeah, go on. I think there is a failure of 
messaging, not of policy right. in what you're describing. Because yes. I do think that like progressives maybe don't necessarily trumpet the values of mm. traditional roles, but don't want to like disassemble them and don't expect everybody to have an alternative lifestyle, but instead mm. have chosen to emphasize marginalized populations without paying more attention to these traditional roles with the exception of things like economic policy or healthcare, where they do mm. try to say like this benefits all of us yeah, 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 yeah. because of our social standing, not because of your sexual orientation, not because of your mm. like family construction, yeah. but because of the way society has been constructed. Mm. Like this would benefit everybody if this were to happen. I just so I think you're right. It's a failure of messaging. Right. I just feel like on the left, mm. it's a bit too antagonistic. Yeah. Which would be the the there's a lot of accusatory language. Sure. And a lot of yeah. I think that is what because in the UK now we've had the whole general election where everything swung 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 <sighs> everything swung massively to the right. Right. Yes. Except mm -hmm. for in London, mm -hmm. and a lot of people who are on the extreme left or like. Even not even extreme left, but on the left, who live in London have very metropolitan lifestyles. Yeah, they didn't understand why everywhere else in the country mm. went right. Right, and they didn't understand that. And then there was a lot of vitriolic language around people yeah. in the countryside, especially. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if you're going to be so vitriolic, then people are not going to want to listen to you. So mm. of course they're going to think like these people hate me yeah. and want to change my life without my consent mm. and of course they're going to vote against that i think it's the same maybe well, in america get, with yeah, trump we just get pushed know. further into our corners yes yeah, uh, yeah that's it like people yeah people get pushed further into their corners and i think on the left we're a lot more exclusionary than we're actually more exclusionary on the left in some ways than we are on the right potentially yeah because on the right of course there's big issues systemic issues of racism and inequality mm -hmm. but on the left we love identity politics Okay, I disagree with you that. Think I think, that. You think I so? I think the right loves identity politics as a way of creating an enemy against the right. Really? I always yeah. think like on the left, people are always more concerned with labeling others than, than people on the right Interesting. are. That's my, my lived experience is that people on the left always want your labels and want mm. to know how to categorize you so that they can talk to you safely without worrying about controversy. Whereas on the right, my experience is that people... And not co so concerned with offending me, mm. and so don't worry too much about that. Interesting. I personally, as I said, I'm a member of the Green Party. I vote left right. most of the time. Right. I just think that maybe the people on the left aren't seeing themselves clearly. Clearly, and the things they say. I mean, I think there is a lot of. I would agree with a, a decent amount of what you're saying. I would push back on the identity politics thing because okay. I think like. The way, at least in America, that like mm. immigrants have been used mm. to yeah. activate the conservative side of America is weaponized identity politics. Maybe it's they're like, just these as, aren't yeah. you. Mm. They are taking things from you. Mm. Maybe there's a lot of othering going on on both sides. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably what, well, maybe that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I think in my country, we don't, there is a lot of issues with race and there's a lot of issues with mm. inequality but mm. there's now now economic inequality is the biggest right. issue well that's the thing i would agree with that so, too like but, we're facing and all of this to go back to our emily to say, dickinson podcast <laughs> but it's all relevant it is the well, show comes out the show of the context. does discuss it too and like it's there to reflect modern times yeah in a joking manner but there's this moment where mm. and this is what i'm so like when emily approaches sue, sue on, on the, the stairs yeah and yeah. emily makes that really quite shitty, mean yeah. shitty comment oh you're really leaning into this housewife thing mm -hmm. and that for me was what i'm saying about yeah. how people on the yeah. left often devalue yeah, yeah, yeah. the traditional scent you know they're like oh you just want to live like your heteronormative life right. and like you know and sue's response to that <laughs> You know, it's the bluntest the show has been. Yeah, eat shit, Emily. Like, but I was like, yes, that's 
fair. Yeah. In that con- in yeah. that instance, that's fair because mm-hmm. Emily's the one who pushed Sue to do that, right? She was like, Sue, you should go with right. Austin. You should marry Austin. Yeah. And Sue came back for, for Emily, Emily. And then Emily was like, I don't really want you. Yeah. You should go with Austin. And now mm-hmm. Emily's like, ha ha, you're being a housewife. Yeah. And that's so mean. Well, and it's also after she's had this, you know, very meaningful conversation with Emily's mother that yeah. like, Emily has never been able to have. Yeah. And like, Emily just goes and shits all over a thing that made her happy. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, when you, in the scene, when Emily's approaching the stairs, you can see that Sue's smiling and yeah. happy and reading the book. Yep. And then it's Emily's shitty comment yep. that makes Sue feel like, oh, <laughs> this is stupid and, yeah. you know. Like, I shouldn't enjoy this as much as I am. am. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving um, on. Yeah. But that was <laughs> nice that Emily, there was that moment between Sue and Emily because it showed <sighs> development in yeah, their relationship. In that relationship. And, and in the broader family. And in Sue's character as well to, like, finally stand up for herself in a meaningful way in relation to Emily. And find a place, because previously yeah. she's been around the family, but she hasn't really had, like, a position, yeah. real position in the family. Yeah. But now Mrs. Dickinson's like, you are my daughter, yes. basically. Yeah, I'm your mother, uh, you are my daughter. Yeah, and yeah. that means that Sue finally maybe feels like has she has a... family. A, yeah, and that she's been validated in being in the household. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good for you, Sue. I take back what I said last episode where I was not looking forward to seeing you. And it's not the only moment that Sue and Emily have in the episode, but we'll come to the next Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. at the very end, I think. Sure. Um, Other relationships in the episode. Let's dive into Mr. Dickinson. Yay! Um, Oh no, there was something I want to say about Austin and Emily, actually. Okay. And Lavinia. Um, In the bit at the end where Emily has this circus fantasy. Yes. When she's escaping from the traumatic thing that yes. immediately happens before that. Right. Which we will talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one of her siblings to appear in the vision is Austin. Austin as the ringleader. Master? As the ringmaster, yes. Lavinia is not present in that delusion mm. at all and mm. has no impact on that. Mm. But Austin is present. Right. And his role in the in the illusion is to introduce Emily to the audience as a female poet, poet mm-hmm. um, which mirrors what he actually did in the episode, which was that he presented her poetry to the world mm. mm-hmm. through the newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that, because when I was watching it, I couldn't decide if this was trying to say that Austin was supporting Emily or that he was Mocking. Mocking her. I couldn't decide if it was that he was putting her on show in a negative sense or if it was that he was positively supporting her. Do we want to dive into the circus fantasy then? Let's, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's describe what happens first and then we'll go back to Mr. Dickinson. So Mr. Dickinson comes into the room and basically gets angry at Emily for publishing a poem on election day. Under Austin's name, but everyone, he knows that everyone will know that it's not Austin. Which everyone will because Austin is showing poetry. Established. established. (laughs) Um, And then he accuses, basically accuses her of causing him to lose the election. Yeah. Because she published a poem. He doesn't say it, though. He doesn't say that, but he heavily implies implies it. it. And then she says, it's not my fault that you lost the election. And then he slaps her. He hits her in a really... Really brutal brutal way. Um, And immediately after the slap, she enters this fantasy of the circus. circus. What is the fantasy of the circus? Right, yeah. She's wandering around backstage... Yeah. She sees Ben. Kissing a dude. As a clown. As a clown. As a clown, that's true. First as a clown. Yes. And then he makes out with a dude. Yeah. So thank God we have established that. He's gay. it's not romantic. (laughs) We were like, oh, okay. Which then makes that whole opening up your safe space to someone else. Like, I like that previous episode a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Austin has a mask and a, like a... Microphone, not a microphone, like, like a, a microphone, like, like, a, um, like a what's the loudspeaker? Yeah, but like a 
cone. Yeah. Uh, and he is, takes off a mask. They're also, who was the Siamese twin? Was that not Lavinia? No. It was not. Who no. was that? That was just a random... Weird. It wasn't a character we'd seen before, so no. I just assumed that it was one of the circus entourage that were... Because it's interesting because her and Lavinia do the Siamese twin... Together, right? The conjoined twin, because it's now 2020. Yes. <laughs> Are they even called conjoined twins? I guess so. I think so. Um, but yeah, so they're conjoined twins, and they had done that earlier in the episode, mm. so it seemed weird that it wouldn't be Lavinia in that that's, moment. That's one of my points, yeah, which is that Lavinia yeah. is absent from that. Yeah, unless it is her with a black wig on. No, it's but not. it's definitely not her. No. So I don't know... Um, and that's one of the weird things, like, is yeah. the show suggesting that Emily cares much more about her relationship with her brother than... I mean, I think the show cares a lot more about her relationship with her brother. That's true, right? Yeah. Because Lavinia and Emily hardly they don't really speak do to one another. Yeah. Um, Beyond Lavinia asking her when she's going to get married so she can get married. Yeah. Um, but so then he announces her as a female poet. Mm. The audience... How do they react in that moment? One woman faints and right. the rest are shocked at first, yes. and then they clap. They start clapping yeah. when she appears. Yeah. And then she takes off her dress her dress, and has whatever is underneath it, but she also has these tattoos yeah. on her chest and her Well, she's wearing kind of Harlequin-like yeah. clothing. Well, because of what is implied by being in the circus. Yeah. And what she had said earlier in the episode with Ben about being like, what a female poet is equivalent to in her father's mind. Yes, which is an, an acrobat, acrobat which, which is, is code for a, a woman of ill woman? repute. Yeah. yeah. I don't think uh, I've ever said that before. Um, <laughs> Father, Father, I am a woman of ill repute. Um, no, um, like, it's very it's a very interesting scene. Yeah. Um, and then she holds up, holds up her arms and she displays herself for the crowd. Mm-hmm. And they clap. And they clap. Yeah. Um, and clearly she's kind of escaping from her father into this fantasy of right. the circus. Right. A place where freaks are celebrated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She thinks. Yeah. That's the, that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's interesting that Austin is there. Yeah. And that he's the ringmaster. Right. Does he have some... I think that's because of his role in presenting her presenting poetry. Presenting her poem. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. I don't think it's about mocking at no. all. I think it's about this is the person who put her on display. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Having talked through that entire sequence, which is quite... It's interesting. Also the, the fact that yeah. the scene is occupied by very queer characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even Austin has a queer moment when he's cross-dressing as Desdemona, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other people, the, the other named characters that appear in the scene are Ben, mm-hmm. Sue, and Emily. Yeah, Ben, Sue, Emily, and Austin are in the scene. All of them have had queer moments or are coded as queer. Right. So it's interesting that that is their place is in the circus, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which I think is something a lot of gay people relate to. The feeling so. of growing up as a freak. Right. And then... As an outlier, as yeah. something not... Yeah. And how gay people do gather together and become a kind of circus-like community. community, maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. I guess there's a lot of parallels with the drag community, maybe. Sure. In terms yeah. of performers and mm-hmm. dressing up and mm-hmm. presenting uh, entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's very interesting, but... The other moment that she has with Sue is when yeah, Sue the very end. comes into the fantasy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. draws Emily out. out yes. Right. She appears in the circus and says, like, Emily, Emily, what happened? You yeah. know, and then Emily's like, I went to the circus. I went to the circus. Yeah. End of episode. Yeah. Mm. Very dark that Mr. Dickinson. I mean, I did that was my one prediction that did come true. Mm. Was that he would again get angry. About the, the publishing yes. of a poem. But actually, I, you said that he would win the state senator race. I did say that. And he does. He does. Which is well, the, he's not a state senator. He's no, sorry. A, he's a senator. Yes. He will go to D.C. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, that's he wins the race to be a senator. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing in the episode that really was the kicker for me. Yeah. Because 
it's such a good display of like fragile masculinity mm-hmm. because all through the episode he's on edge waiting for the results of the election yeah. and that makes him angry and irritable with everyone mm-hmm. but especially with the women mm-hmm. because when he's the w- women of his family the women of his family right yes, yes that's true because um, he has this thing with Maggie yeah. as well where he tries to present a front to her right of like progressive or like protection yeah, he's like, I'm the, yeah. I'm the progressive yeah. like yeah, man who's going immigrants who will protect immigrants and protect you and your family, mm-hmm. and um, he tries to present himself as a hero to her. Yeah, um, but to the women of his family, he's really quite abusive in the episode. Yep. So like when Mrs. Dickinson is like, what do you want for dinner? And he's like, I don't have time for these yeah. inconsequential questions, you know. Oh. Um, and then when she's like, he come, she comes to take his sock shoes and socks off when he's been out walking yeah and he's like can't you tell the girls to be quiet and she's like oh of course right i'll, I'll oh, do that right. she stands up she's like ready to go yeah because she's just trying to make him comfortable but he's yeah. being really mean to her you yeah. know and then he, he doesn't like that the girls are all t- getting together and talking talking he doesn't like that the girls talk about politics around the breakfast table mm-hmm. um and then he has this moment of just abusing his daughter yeah and he gets very angry at Emily because he perceives that I, I I don't think that's the thing I don't think he actually thinks that she cost him the election no I think he thinks he's going to lose and he feels that he needs to blame that on something right and Emily is the convenient well she's also the only one who articulates you lost the election yeah before anybody knows yes like yeah she's like she's the one who says it or she's the one who puts her finger on the fact that that's what's bothering him. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he comes to challenge her about the poetry, the but she's mm-hmm. perceptive enough to know that he's not actually angry about yeah. the poem. Yeah. He's angry about the, the election. election. And I think that's such a good demonstration. That was the most true to life thing in the whole show so far, to me, mm-hmm. was the representation of a powerful man mm-hmm. who whose ego is fragile and mm-hmm. how the women in his life have to tiptoe around him and appease him mm-hmm. despite his fragile ego and what happens to a woman who punctures that ego right and who says like this is what yeah you it, aren't going to get the thing you want yeah and it's your fault yeah, yeah basically yeah. uh and the immediate response to that is one of violence physical violence which, yeah. which is how yeah. i think mm-hmm. and in my opinion that is that is the, again here we go that's the root of a lot of the systemic abuse and of women that's the the patriarchy Mm. often is about women appeasing men's egos Mm -hmm. um, and preserving men's egos because if they don't do that there's violence i've made a lot of jokes about so many of the problems we face nowadays are because of the insecurities of straight white men yeah and i stand by it yeah i think that's that's true a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was so real to life i felt that was the first time in the whole show where i felt bad for emily not just because she got hit but Mm. because she didn't really do anything wrong. She didn't do wrong. anything wrong. No. no. And her father was abusing her mm-hmm. for no reason. I feel like this was an episode of like very true, non-contrived moments. Yeah. I think this is like the most honest I have felt the show be. Yeah. And mature in its yeah. thinking. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, that's definitely true. So it was a really deep yeah. episode. And, like, so much stuff happened. quite liked this episode a lot. Yeah. Um, It made me wonder about Emily Dickinson's real... The real Emily Dickinson's life. mm -hmm. She she didn't like her mother. She adored her father. Yeah. In real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was obedient to her father all through her life. Yep. And I can't help but wonder, like... I haven't read anything to suggest this, but what if her father was actually quite... manipulative and abusive entirely possible and then that throws a whole different light on her relationship to her mother Mm -hmm. because perhaps she felt like her mother was I don't know failing her failing her somehow or or something Mm. Um, or maybe she felt like um, her mother maybe her father maybe her mother didn't care for her father as well as Emily herself thought she could you know Mm. but yeah it's very interesting that in real life emily did have this bad relationship with her mother and Mm. really good relationship yeah loved adored her father yeah 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 yeah. it's the old thing about how like sons love their mothers and daughters Daughters love their fathers fathers, right it's very um 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was a funny episode, and then it turned super serious and like. Well, I just want to give the thing that we laughed the hardest at was, oh, we didn't even do that properly. But she has oh, this yeah. moment with Ben, and they're like holding hands, kind of. They're like yes. touching hands. Yeah, and it's, and in it's like, like a, a very nice, bright, flowery. Yeah. They're sat under like the, the, the in the gazebo, gazebo thing yes. with like flowers. And it's all just like them. a nice moment of like genuine platonic affection. Yeah. And then it cuts to... Like, it goes straight to... Immediately to them digging up the dead baby. Well, it's not even just them digging up. It's like Austin yeah. and Sue sat... On a bench. Wearing all black. Watching them dig, dig up, up the dead baby. baby. And being like, you're going to be buried there. <laughs> and you can look at the look on Sue's face, which is like, before I'm even married, yep. I'm looking at my dad. <laughs> you know? And also, like, this is my husband's idea of romance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... But that's also like the family resemblance between Austin mm. and Emily, right? Mm-hmm. Is like actually the whole family is a bit whole morbid, a bit weird. And, yeah, but it was great. Oh, Just them sat so on that bench, funny. Just like and like this is this is marriage. <laughs> <laughs> marriage is death. That was the message, marriage right? Marriage is death, basically. <laughs> the, the equivalency was there. Marriage is death. Oh man! But we laughed so hard at that. I the hardest I've laughed at the show. Well done. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great moment. I actually really enjoyed this episode. So what I was I saying before, like... this episode was great. It was really good. It was the first mature yep. episode mm-hmm. with good comedy. There was a yep. good balance. The editing was pretty much on point. With the exception of I do wish I had seen uh, Jane Krakowski's reaction to the, the poem. poetry reading yes. scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. The one thing that I was like, oh, give me that. No, instead I just get her headless torso with yep. a line delivered off screen. Damn it. <sighs> Yeah. And even even Maggie got a moment of like sincerity, like which is her thinking, "Oh, this is a good man. This is someone who will help me," and then being like, "Oh wait, I feel bad he, for Maggie because thought, she's like the most sensible person in the household." I think, yeah, with the exception of Mrs. Dickinson, I suppose. Mrs. Dickinson is sensible, but she's not exactly balanced. Mm, Very, okay. she's a bit like she takes the housewife thing to an extreme, right? Sure. Um, yeah. But no, and then Maggie coming down the stairs and Mr. Dickinson being like, the man of honor won. And yeah. she's like, oh, good, good. you know? Yeah. But really, she's thinking, there is no honor. There's no honor, yeah. yeah. You just slapped your daughter yep. out of like your own weakness. And yep. then, yeah. Yep. The fact that I think every character had something of significance. Yeah. Well done, show. Yeah. Was It was written by. Elena Smith, right? Uh, co-written. She co-written. Wrote, I forget who the other writer was. I made a note that she did co-write it, um, which is pretty standard because she's going to be busy right. piloting the whole show. Right, right, right. Um, but I think we are now into the final leg of the show. Yep. We've just got three episodes left. Three episodes left. And I think it's going to... I hope it will be more interesting from this point. I think that's a pretty sizable shift in the show. And yeah. Demonstrating what it can do. Yeah. 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 Okay, so uh, first, kitty count. Kitty count. Yeah, we got a cat. Um, It was on Lavinia's embroidery. embroidery. While she was talking about the Republican Party, she was embroidering a cat. So I'm going to say that's five now for the kitty count, right? No, we were at three before. Because it was cat in the pilot, cat pillow, cat with Lavinia's portrait, and now... And now... Yeah, point cat. Embroidery cat. Embroidery cat. Embroidery cat. (laughs) Great. So kitty count four. I'm very happy with that. I'm liking the progress. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that Elena Smith listens to this podcast and puts puts more cats in. It'll be like in um, the Sharp Objects TV show where like words flash for like a frame. Yeah. So it'll be like that, but with cats. (laughs) (laughs) Many different kinds of cats as well. It'll just be like, did you, everyone's like pausing Dickinson. When death next appears, I want him to have a black cat on his lap. Like he's Blofeld from James Bond. Yeah, (laughs) in the carriage, just like stroking the black cat. like black cat. And then when when Emily gets out the carriage, he gives it to her. He's like, (laughs) take this to your sister. (laughs) And then then, how many loaves of bread? Oh no, wait, strongest thing. Strongest thing. I honestly think the entire episode was pretty strong. Yeah. I don't think I could pick a weak point in this episode. It was pretty tight. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I agree with you about the strong point. It's very hard to choose a strong point. Yeah. Because there was a lot of really great moments, mm-hmm. um, a lot of great aspects and elements. I think if I had to choose just 
one thing, I don't think I would go with a circus scene. I think I would go for Emily and Susie interaction on the stairs because I saw that as the tipping point of the episode where it moved from mm. comedy mm-hmm. towards Into something more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the mm-hmm. the um what's the word for the center of the fulcrum? Fulcrum, yeah. yeah. I think so. Um the weak point I would say is poetry because we had mm. the poem. Yeah. But apart from it being like a vehicle for the plot where she wins in the where she wins the poetry contest, mm-hmm. the actual poem itself wasn't really oh. explored or like developed oh, or okay. used. Okay. Yeah. I would like to have seen a poem. Right. But I don't think that was really applicable for the episode, maybe. Mm. Um Yeah. I think it's kind of nice that it's sort of an inconsequential poem like and that ditty. everything is sort of like radiating outward from it. That, yeah. I yeah. guess so. I guess so. Um Okay, loaves of bread. Oh, I'm nervous because I just don't know how the show could get better than this, but I want it to, so I'm not going to give it perfect. I'm going to give it eight. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to give it eight loaves of bread as well. This was the strongest episode so far. Absolutely, by a mile. Yeah. Um, This was great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good job, guys. (laughs) Good job, Dickinson team. Yeah. Don't mm. sue us. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to Tim Cook and get our podcast put on Apple. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, everyone. Well, thank you for bearing with us through a, a long episode. Yeah, this is a long one, but I feel like it warrants it. Yeah, no, definitely. There was so much um, to stuff. get through. And we really enjoyed watching it. And yeah. there was a lot of stuff to unpack. So thank yeah. you for listening through it. Please remember that you can email us. Yes. Uh, edicts on edicts, all lowercase. No. at gmail.com mm-hmm. um, do let us know your thoughts and opinions send us a voice message on anchor podcasts mm-hmm. if you feel up to it we would love to have your feedback and have your comments on the show do tune in next time we're going to try and see where emily's relationships with the people she's damaged <laughs> can go, can go from here Wild. and whether or not she and mr dickinson will ever address this because odds are they will not it's New England in the yeah. 1800s. They're not yeah. going to talk, They're not about, gonna talk about it. No. Um, okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>